Are you an accredited investor looking for a new opportunity to generate passive income and build the retirement of your dreams? Then elevate your investment game with Viking Capital, where wealth meets wisdom. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting out, Viking Capital can help guide you towards financial freedom through passive real estate investing. With strong and transparent underwriting, Viking identifies low-risk opportunities with the goal of preserving investor capital and maximizing long-term growth potential. And their accessible and responsive investor relations team will help you understand how each investment will impact your unique financial goals. With $800 million in assets acquired, more than $230 million in equity raised, and more than 5,000 units under management, Viking Capital is your path to early retirement. To learn about Viking Capital's latest investment opportunity, which is available for you right now, visit go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best. That's go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best to get started today. Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, Promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. They say there's growth beyond fear. So if you can get past the fear you're going to grow. So I think they have a more challenge because networking can be a scary thing. Welcome to the best ever show, the world's longest running daily commercial real estate podcast. Our hosts interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever with none of the fluffy stuff. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Ash Patel and I'm with today's guest, Debbie Wilcox. Debbie is joining us from Dana Point, California. She is the managing partner of Blue Rock Capital Group, which helps investors build and generate passive income through multifamily real estate. Debbie's portfolio consists of being a GP on 33 units in Idaho and an LP on 2,400 units across seven states. Debbie, thank you for joining us. And how are you today? Great, Ash. Thanks so much for having me today. It's our pleasure. Debbie, before we get started, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Okay. So a little bit would be, I'm from Honolulu, Hawaii, where my husband and I owned and operated a swimming pool business for over 30 years. And I'm very happy to say that as of September, we sold our business, sold our home, burn the boats and we are all in on multifamily full time. 
together. So to make that journey a little easier, we thought proximity would be good. So we moved to the mainland. We're in Southern California, as you said, and that gets us a little bit closer and a little bit easier to do the networking and conferences and visiting properties, et cetera. And the bonus is our 22-year-old son is also here. He's attending college. So it's nice to be closer to him as well. From a mom's perspective, my wife would actually love that. The funny thing yeah. is, she's like, hey, we're going to move to wherever our kids go to college. And I said, no, we're not. They're not going to want you around. You're yeah, your yeah. We told them we would stay at least a couple hours away. So we can't just <laughs> pop in on a Saturday night, right? So, All right. So I want to let you know that most people dream of moving from the mainland to Hawaii. And you did the opposite. Yes. Okay. That's okay. I, no, I just want to make sure you know that. the most commented <laughs> aspect of this whole thing. We get, why did you leave? <laughs> That's okay. I just want to make sure you know. Yes. Uh, when you were doing the pool business, was it a lot of higher end homes? Yes, actually it was. Did I that mean, inspire you to get into maybe some fix and flips or residential real estate? Actually about 30 years ago, when we were in college, my husband and I, we read the Purple Bible, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and we had it set in our minds that, that was it. That was going to be our future. We were going to invest in real estate, buy homes, flip them, fix them up, sell them. At that age, though, we were looking more at condos, right? Something a little smaller. But we found out very early on, especially in Hawaii, like California, New York, it's not that easy to do for a young aspiring investor. So we didn't go that route. It was very difficult. So we ended up just pursuing our business instead. But along the way, we had a couple of long-term rentals. It turned out the places we bought, we moved on and rented them out and just kept kind of upgrading from there into bigger properties and then had a couple of short-term rentals. But we never dove deep into the fix and flips, no. <laughs> and what inspired you to get into multifamily? Oh, boy. That's a heavy one. So we've been in our business, like I said, we were there for 30 years. And after about 20 years, we were starting to develop that mom and pop burnout. So at that point in our lives, I started thinking, what else could we do? What else is there? But at the same time, having been in something so long, whether it's a W-2 job or your business for 20 years, it's so comfortable, right? And we were doing so well. And you're thinking, why change now? So fast forward, 10 more years go by. Now I'm thinking, all the limiting beliefs start coming in like, nah, we can't do it now. Now it's too late. We're getting too old. And I don't know, there's something in me that just didn't want to accept that. And then one day we stumbled upon some real estate podcasts and boy, were there lots of them. And what I found from listening to those hours and hours, I mean, I must've listened to 2000 podcasts. What I learned is, and what inspired me was listening to the stories of people that I felt were just like me, kind of feeling stuck. And maybe they were older, just like myself, but that didn't let that stop them. And they went for it and it was multifamily. I kind of read about, oh, you know, maybe just skip the small stuff, skip the burring, just if you can jump right into multifamily. And I thought, okay, I don't got time to lose. Time's ticking. We're going right into multifamily. And so we dove deep into that. So for a couple of years and then COVID hit, right? Right when we were ready to kind of go and get on the mainland and go to conferences and get educated and learn, we were just stuck at home with more podcasts and more virtual conferences. And that all kind of faded out. We just decided last September to finally invest in ourselves into a multifamily mentorship group. And during COVID, weren't a lot of people building pools? <laughs> they were using them. I don't know about building them, but yes, they were definitely in their swimming pools. All right. So here in the <laughs> States, all the pool builders 
were 18 months backed up because mm-hmm. everybody was stuck at home and they all just wanted yeah. pools. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. What was the conference that you went to? The first one that we were able to finally get out and go to was Dealmaker Live, Michael Blanc in Dallas. That was our first one. What was your game plan? Go to a conference and do what? We were just so excited to just get out and go. So just talking to people in person and meeting and doing all that was great. But really, I just wanted to be around people doing the same thing and wanting the same thing. I knew that would be really inspiring because honestly, at the time, there wasn't really anyone we were sharing the secret dream of ours with because it seemed crazy. What we were thinking about doing would be definitely considered crazy in our circle, family and friends. Yeah. Can you walk me through the process from leaving that conference to your first deal? Yeah. So after that conference, we weren't hundred percent sure yet what group we wanted to align ourselves with. So we knew that they're all great. Really. We looked at probably four or five different groups and talked to people in each of those groups, but we had to find the one that we felt we would fit best with the way we wanted to move on this journey. So It was probably three months later that we ended up joining another group that was Jake and Gino. And we found that they had such a great community, family-based group that we really connected very well with. So it was from then on, we've been to probably five or six conferences in person already because we just wanted to go in. We moved to the mainland and then we just thought, this is why we're here. We're going to spend at least a year figuring it out. And we're going to go to everything we possibly can and network as much as possible. And then when did you come across your first deal? Ah, yes. Okay. So it was at our very first conference. We signed up to one of the dinners that night. We'd never done all this. It's kind of like, we're doing dinner here, breakfast here, and just meeting random people. This was so new to us, but it was out of our comfort zone. So we knew it was the right thing to do. We're like, let's go. We're going to do it. So (laughs) go to dinner and we had the pleasure of sitting next to these wonderful people and got to know them over time at the next conference, developed that relationship there from Idaho. And when the deal came up, they called us. And it was only because of that time spent in person and connecting with people. I know you can only do so much on Zoom. So I cannot say enough about the power of networking in person. So that is how we got into that. And we were originally going to JV it among a few of us. But as time went on, we decided we should probably syndicate it. So that's what we did. And we just closed in March and things are moving along very smoothly. Good for you for getting out of your comfort zone. So your intention was just going to be put your own money into the deal as an investor. Why did you choose to syndicate it? It had to do with the terms and we were needing to come up with more down and more CapEx money. And we thought there's a few of us. And as you know, when you're JVing, it is all your money. And there were other people who knew we were looking at this and it seemed like there would be interest if we were deciding to syndicate that we could bring some investors on board. So we had to increase our raise is really what it came down to. So that's ultimately what we did. And of course, we all invested in the deal as well. Debbie, can we dive into the numbers on that property? Okay. How many units? That's 33 units. What was the purchase price? 3 million. So it was 100,000 a door. And was it uh, class B, C? I'd say the property is class C. Okay. It's built in, I want to say 67. Did it need a lot of CapEx, a lot of renovations? A number of them had already been partially renovated. So 
our plan was to, in the beginning, go in and renovate what we could and see where we could push rents. And we have been able to push rents a little bit more than what we originally anticipated. But what we're finding now is we're actually able to get very close to those rents we wanted without doing much rehab. So that's been good as far as keeping our CapEx expenses down. Upon purchase, you saw what renovated rents went for. Is that the number that you used in your pro forma? Not initially, no. We built up to that, taking a couple of years to get there, but we're actually getting there pretty quickly. Okay. So let me rephrase that. Okay. How much were the unrenovated apartments renting for versus the renovated apartments? Oh, okay. So there was nothing in at the time that was fully renovated. Got it. So they were partially renovated. The previous owner did some improvements, but we actually kind of went in on a couple units and the whole thing. We got it a few already. So we are probably getting around a thousand a month. But before we went in, the highest rents were probably around 700. Okay. And are you losing tenants because of that, the rent increase? Not much, actually. For the tenants who've been there quite a while, we are not jumping them immediately to that level because they're great tenants. We like to keep them in and we're just doing incremental raises. Got it. It's the new leases where those that have left or they're on month to month that we're going in and doing everything we can to maximize the rents we can get. Okay. 3 million. What was the down payment? 25%. Okay. And then did you raise CapEx funds as well? Yes, we did. We did raise some money for that, but we also were able to get a line from the bank for any additional CapEx, which we have not yet had to use. And what were the terms of that loan? How long is it fixed for the rate? There's a 10-year term, but at five years, we will reset. So that's kind of nice. It was getting us five years out from now gives us a little more cushion and not having to refi in a year or two. And what's the plan? How long are you going to hold this for? That's a good question. I'm not sure. So right now, our pro forma is five, seven years, could be 10 years. I don't know. Obviously, we'd like to refi when the timing is right so we can get our investors back as much of their capital as possible. Debbie, is this a typical PREF split syndication? Yes. yes. What's the PREF? Yeah, 7% PREF. Mm-hmm. And were you able to pay that right away? No, we just closed in March. So we are very busy just getting our renovations in right now. So when will the PREF start? Hopefully by the end of the year, if not. We did let our investors know upfront what to expect is that we were going to go in and try to rehab a lot of units. So if we can get them sooner, that'd be great. But we did say to give us a first year to get the property up and running to where we are able to start distributing. Did you lose any investors based on that? No. And you know what? It's funny because my husband and I have invested in many LP positions. And what I learned from getting into so many deals is I really appreciated the operators who were honest up front. So if they said, we're going to do distributions right away, well, right away is usually when that first quarter, that's great. But it's my choice if I want to invest in that deal or not. But if another deal came along and they said, we're going to probably take a year. As long as I'm aware of that before I sign on the dotted line, that's fine. So it was really important to me when we were raising money for this deal, that that was communicated up front because I didn't want any investors to have any false expectations and making sure we're all in alignment with what our goals were. Debbie, what are your thoughts on syndicators raising extra upfront to meet those initial PREF payments? 
Yeah, we did not do that. That's funny because we got into a lot of deals. And I always was amazed how quickly <laughs> they could distribute. I don't know. I do know that I am happy when I invest in those deals and I get a distribution fairly quickly. And I guess in the end, what matters is that they perform and give me the returns that they promised. Yeah, I agree with you, but I have a hard time knowing you're raising extra money. Just to, It's kind of like a Ponzi scheme, right? I, mean, I, raise... I know. I Believe me, I still have to wrap my <laughs> mind around that because <laughs> I am well, in deals like that, but I know that's what's happening. Yeah, but I applaud you for taking the harder road and being honest with investors and letting them know, hey, we're going to be struggling for a bit and this is what to expect versus you very easily could have raised another hundred grand to make some pref payments. Yeah, no, I wasn't comfortable with doing that. Good for you. So that's your 33 unit property. You're also an LP on 2,400 units. How did this come about? (laughs) So when we were contemplating our retirement from our business, we got some really great advice from someone who we were sharing this idea of retiring with. And it was a scary prospect to walk away from our business because then it's like, now what? What did we live in off of? So their advice was, if possible, to try to invest enough where you can receive enough passive income to cover your basic expenses, your housing, your food, my son's tuition, the basic things that we had to cover for at least a year. So that's a lot of passive income. So we thought, how are we going to get there? We had already invested in a few, but it was going to take a lot more passive investment to get us to that number, that minimum expenses covered number. So this is where the motivation came to sell our business and our home. This was our dream home. We were never going to sell that thing. It had so much equity, but the more we thought about it, it was just dead equity, right? Just sitting there. And it kind of held our future in that property. So I had to ask my husband, do we want to live in our dream home or do we want to live our dream life? And that was a tough decision. So we decided to sell our home. So the market is still going crazy in Hawaii, like many other cities around the country. So between that and our business, we were able right away, we had in our minds, Once we had that equity, how we were going to deploy it initially. So a lot of it went into passive income to carry us this year as we build our multifamily business as active investors. And we're now investing on our active side, trying to get ourselves to more As those passive investments roll, would you continue to invest those as an LP or would you put it into your own active portfolio? The ultimate goal is to be completely passive. So it's so funny because we're trying to focus on getting more active, but boy, there's some great deals out there. There's like these great operators and I keep finding myself wanting to be LPing in some of these deals. I do want to continue to be an LP for sure, but at the same time, I have to discipline myself and budget accordingly. So it's a good balance. You need both. I think at least where I'm in a position where I want both. Yeah. So are you super passionate about being a syndicator Or is it a means to getting your life that you want? I'm passionate about multifamily real estate. Am I passionate about syndicating and being a syndicator? I can't say that just yet. I've just done one. I'm also looking at doing more JV deals this year. There's a little bit more of a sense control. Being a syndicator, there's a lot of responsibility. You've got investors and it's scary to be in that position. People are putting their hard-earned money in your hands. So I'm an LP in a lot of deals too. And I hope that my syndicators that I've invested with treat my money the same way. 
It's not just a number on a piece of paper. This is their future. They're hoping that you succeed. So there's a little bit more pressure there. So I'm not really sure yet on how much more syndicating I'll do, but maybe as time goes on and more experience and obviously with a strong team, it makes that that much more. That's a great point. We'll get back to the show with first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. It's no secret that everyone is trying to find a recession-proof investment right now. What if you could invest in one of the most recession-resilient asset classes of the last 25 years with one of the best teams in the U.S.? Self-storage is that asset class, and Reliant Real Estate Management is that team. Reliant Real Estate Management is the 17th largest storage operator. They have sold over $1 billion in self-storage assets and have lost no investor principal with the average project level. IRR of 33% in the last three years. Right now, you can be one of the first to invest in their next fund at ReliantFund4.com. Fund 4 is a $100 million equity fund with seven properties already identified to close before the end of 2022. If you're an accredited investor, visit ReliantFund4.com to download the investment summary and schedule a call with Reliance Experience Team. That's ReliantFund4.com, R-E-L-I-A-N-T-F-U-N-D-F-O-U-R.com. I'd like to introduce you to my good friends over at PassiveInvesting.com, a private equity real estate firm based out of the Carolinas. PassiveInvesting.com makes it easy for you to start investing in real estate. They focus on acquiring institutional quality apartments and self-storage facilities with private accredited investor funds. They also have a real estate debt fund that offers hard money loans to local fix and flippers across the U.S., which currently has a 0% default rate. With a portfolio of over $700 million in assets and controlling over $250 million in equity, they know how to secure the best deals and how to avoid the red flags. If you are interested in learning more, please reach out directly to PassiveInvesting.com and request the free Passive investor guide that outlines the seven red flags for passive apartment and self-storage investing. Visit PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags to download that PDF now. That's PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags. Debbie, what are you doing to find your next deal, find the next investors, find the next JV partner? Network, network, network. How are you networking? Give me some creative ways that you're networking. Well, gosh, we probably network at least four calls a week on one-on-one. And then we're in Zoom meetings a couple of times a week and we're connecting. And then any opportunity to go to some of our educational networking events in person, we go. And if there's anything in our community, we go. You hear a hundred times how your network is your net worth, but it really is so true in this business. You just can't do multifamily alone. And even if you're an introvert, you really have to push yourself. It's just a fact. You just have to do it. You got to get out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Make a lot of noise. Meet people. (laughs) Yeah. So are you an introvert? I wouldn't say that though. Okay. I enjoy going to events and talking to people and meeting new people. Yeah. And that's my advice to introverts as well. I'm sorry, but you have to do it. You have to. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. I've got a lot of friends. Sorry. You know, I met a lot of people and they have podcasts now and they'll say, oh, I was an introvert. I don't believe them, but it was just constant. They say there's growth beyond fear. So if you can get past the fear, it's, you're going to grow. So I think they have an even more challenge because networking can be a scary thing. And that's how I've tried to look at my life. If I'm initially scared to do something, I get a little tingly, but I think, oh, this must be right. This must be good. <laughs> I, I'm supposed to do this. <laughs> good for you. The introvert thing. I interviewed somebody who coined a great phrase. He didn't coin it. It's actually a real thing. 
It's called ambivert, where they're part introvert, part extrovert. So they can be an extrovert, but then they need time to go back to themselves and recharge. And then they can go back and do it again. Whereas (laughs) I'm just an extreme extrovert. I don't ever need time alone to recharge. I want to be around people all the time. Oh my God. I'm glad you told me that term because I think that would be me then. Okay. And that makes (laughs) sense based on your personality and your networking, putting yourself out there. That sounds right. So you just need a little bit of time to recharge. Yeah. We were just in an event for two full days, networking, networking, and I love it, but I had to sneak away at lunch for 30 minutes to go in my room and just close my eyes, take a lot of deep breaths and then get back out there. And I was ready to go again through the night, you know? Yeah. So me eight in the morning, I'm out of bed and (laughs) I'd rather not go to the presentations. I'd rather sit in the hallway and interact with people. And then (laughs) I I don't want to break till three or four in the morning. The last person's going to bed. Oh, you're good. I know people like that. I just want to do it all over again. Yeah. That's awesome. Is your husband in this business with you or did you just drag him to the mainland? Yeah, I kind of dragged him (laughs) all. (laughs) Is he not in the business with you? Yeah, he is. We've been in business our whole lives since we were 19. We've always had a passion for real estate. So he kind of drove that, our previous business. But although we're both in this together, I did take some like, come on, we're going to do this. We got to burn the boats. We're going to do it. It was really scary, but I felt like we had to do it. And so I did give him a little nudge. You've had some great success in a very short amount of time. And the story has a lot of positives. What are some hard lessons that you learned? Oh, hard lessons. Okay. Now let me think about that. Whether it was about people or deals, investors. Okay. Lesson I learned, a hard lesson was when we first got started, very eager to, because now we've left everything, very eager to just jump into anything, really. And I have to say in the beginning, which wasn't that long ago, people bring you underwriting and you, you look at a deal, you almost get too eager, even though you have a sense that maybe I shouldn't do this. You just so want to do it so bad because they say, oh, that law, that first deal, just get the deal and maybe it's not going to be great. And we were very close in a couple situations getting ourselves in that. And I learned very quickly that no matter how bad we want it, we have to be patient. The numbers have to work and the team has to work. That's a tough one because I've met people that have studied for years and I'm like, please just do a deal. I don't care if you lose money. But then after doing this for 10 years, I can see how patience in a lot of situations will reward you. That's a tough one. It is. And I'm getting that advice again right now as the investing climate is changing. Just be patient because there's going to be deals coming and maybe they are and deals are starting to come around a little bit more right now. How about this? Be patient, but relentless. So keep looking for deals, right? Constantly. Speaking of which, what are you doing to find deals? Oh, we're still networking And, and because of all the networking we've done and we really put it out there to the people that we are very much interested in partnering with. And for us being in California, it's really partnering with people who are boots on the ground in markets that we're interested in because we can't be boots on the ground. So we are looking at deals every day. There's always something, but that doesn't mean it's going to happen. And so there's a lot of due diligence that has to take place. But my hope is that by the end of the year, we'll have at least a couple more under our belt. Okay. Two questions. The first one is you're networking to find deals. So are you relying on other people to bring you deals? 
Why not try to find your own? At this point, yes, because there's different aspects of a team. And part of the acquisitions is the broker's relationship with them, being able to drive and look at properties. And at this stage, we can't do that. So we have met a lot of great people, though, who are boots on the ground and maintain good relationships with them. And we want to work with them and they want to work with us. And so we can all provide different things for each other. Got it. Do you share your story about relocating, uprooting your life? Because I think that adds a lot of credibility to what you're doing. Do we share it with the people in our group? Yes. The people back home, we were actually kind of nervous to share that because there was a lot of looking at us like we were absolutely crazy and nobody leaves Hawaii, like you said. So we haven't shared it with too many, but we're starting to, starting to come out of our shell a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. When you go to a real estate meetup, Mm -hmm. if you share that story that oh my God, sold a business, sold our dream house, uprooted to pursue multifamily. That I think adds a tremendous amount of credibility. So I would share that. Thank you. We'll do that more. And then this might be a tough question, but what do you bring to the table? If I've got a great deal, why should I partner with you? That's a good question. In the beginning, we asked ourselves that. Because they always say, well, know what your strengths and your weaknesses are. Well, we're brand new. (laughs) Are we just full of weaknesses because we don't have all the knowledge yet? What am I doing? But, but because we were now cashed out of our assets or liabilities, as some may call them, we had equity, we had capital. So we were able to, in our first deal, help to be KPs with the risk money. So that kind of got us in the door. But In the end, what we have found is we're also very much interested at this moment in asset management. And we didn't think that was going to be the case. I thought I was going to come out and be, I want to raise capital. I want to help bring these opportunities to people and educate people. But that 30 years in business of looking at spreadsheets and budgets and income expenses, all these things, we find ourselves diving into that quite a bit. So we're enjoying helping out with that. And I think it's good in the beginning to have your toes and a little bit of everything in a syndication from the beginning to the end. And as time goes on, you will hone in on what your skills are. And then we can grow that skill set for the next team that we're on. But right now we really are doing a little bit of everything, but the asset management is something we just can't help ourselves right now. We just want to learn as much as possible. I love that. You're using all of your business years of experience and finding what you enjoy with asset management, amongst other things. Good for you. (laughs) Debbie, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? Okay, that's a big question, but two of my favorite quotes come to mind. So the first one is by Mark Twain, and he says, 20 years from now, you'll be more disappointed in the things you didn't do than the things you did. And the other one is by Tony Robbins, and he says, focus on where you want to go and not what you fear. And those two were just so impactful to me and to making this decision to follow my dream. So what I say is don't let fear of what other people think or expect of you, and don't let them stop you from living your dreams because it's your life and you want to live it with no regrets. Debbie, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Yes. All right. Debbie, what's the best ever book you recently read? I've read a lot of great books, but right now I am deep into Atomic Habits by James Clear. 
my wife just read that and she's got all kinds of rules <laughs> for everybody in the family. Uh, <laughs> it's so it's good. Not, it's good. I, I need it. Yeah, it's on my list of my next read. Debbie, what's the best ever way you like to give back? The way I'm giving back right now is to my friends and family and anybody who will listen. I enjoy sharing what we're doing and the benefits of multifamily investing as an alternative to the stock market. I find a lot of people are not aware of it. And so I think it's very helpful and enlightening to a lot of people. And Debbie, how can the best ever listeners reach out to you? The best way is probably LinkedIn or Facebook, Debbie Wilcox. I'm also on Instagram, dwilcox808. Debbie, I got to thank you for your time today. You shared an incredibly inspirational story of uprooting your entire life. Granted, it was to move closer to your kids, but (laughs) starting over in real estate, chasing your dream of getting into multifamily and making things happen and learning along the way, pushing yourself out of your comfort zone, an incredible inspiration. So thank you for your time today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Best ever listeners. Thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star review, share the podcast with someone you think can benefit from it. Also follow, subscribe, and have a best ever day.